before we get into the show, um, I just want to let you know as of August 15, 2020, uh, Kenneth Miles, whose interview you're about to listen to, has uh, passed away. So this message comes to you with a very heavy heart. Um, Kenneth, or Kenny as I knew him, um, was not just someone who I just randomly picked and interviewed. Uh, he was someone who I actually knew since 1999 uh, when I was an intern at the Syracuse University Athletic Department. He was truly like an older brother to me. He's about seven years my senior. I didn't even realize his age at the time because just how nurturing he was. We worked in two totally different departments. He worked in the um, for the football program, and and uh, I worked um, more for the more for the for for, for the actual. Um, I'm trying to think operations, if you will, for the overall space. And um, uh, just really quickly, a couple of things. The way that I remember Kenny is really like, you know, he was the first person who took me to a grad school party when I was at Syracuse. So connecting with people on a different level. Um, now, mind you, I was just working there. I didn't go to school there. So he connected me with the community that way. And then also I remember when I was getting ready to leave Syracuse. And at that time I was leaving Syracuse so I can go on to get my master's in sports management at, uh, at UMass Amherst. Um, the Eisenberg School, and I remember him taking me out, and you know he, he he took me out to my first like cigar bar, so just a different level of stuff for 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 a kid from Brooklyn who was at that time about probably about 21 or 22, and um, introduced me to things like scotch and cigars. So uh, he's just always been such a, a a positive force, a funny force uh, in my life. And I text, uh, I made sure I screen capture it. I texted him um, back in July, so about a month, uh, a little bit less than a month before he passed away. And, uh, you know, so I, I, I remember him as a, as a force for good, someone who was nurturing, someone who was always about success. He worked in academic success in, in uh, athletics. Uh, in this interview, you'll see he's, he's at... Um, LSU, um, Louisiana State University, uh, but but um, he since in 2019 he moved on to uh, Michigan University of Michigan in their athletic department in in a in a different role, but always about academic success, about um, diversity, equity, and inclusion. So uh, I'm I'm definitely gonna miss him. So uh, enjoy this enjoy this interview with uh, Kenneth O. Miles, and um, yeah. I share with recruits and parents when they come here that I never tell student athletes, good luck against competition. I said, luck sounds like happen chance. I tell them to do well because they've been preparing for it, you know, for the week, for a couple weeks. Mm -hmm. And I said, there you have a much more defined outcome. There's an expectation that you will do well, that you will win, that you will give it your all. So it's all about, for me, changing the mindsets in a way 
that gets to give folks understanding their own investment in the process. Hey, this is Mike Ambassador Dini, and I'd like to welcome you to another episode of No More Reasonable Doubt, a show focused on empowering young professionals of color. We help to remove doubt, gain confidence, and have more impact at work. One important piece to making all this happen is getting exposure to different people and career paths. Today, our special guest is Kenneth Miles, Assistant Vice Chancellor of Academic Affairs and Executive Director of the Cox Communications Academic Center for Student Athletes at Louisiana State University, LSU. Whew, that was a lot. Welcome, Kenneth. Thank you, Mike. I appreciate you having me on. Uh, likewise, man. Likewise. And, um, you know, with this show, one thing that's very special to me and, and uh, I'm really proud is when I get to interview people that I've known for a number of years. And um, I think now I've known you since 1999. Um, th- that's when I was interning at Syracuse University in their athletic department. And, you you know, you were kind enough to take me un- under your wings. And, and uh, you know, I've never for- I've never forgotten that. So if I haven't said it, it's on air. Thank you. <laughs> oh, you're quite welcome. It's always a more responsibility to be able to help those uh, who are behind us anyway. It's definitely a way of paying it forward. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So now, where are you originally from, Kenneth? I'm originally from Washington, D.C. I grew up in uh, Northwest. Cool. Now, tell us more about what you do for work. You know, that, that was a mouthful, man. That, that, I, I don't know how I made it through one breath. Tell me more about what you do would do for work. There's some kid there that's like, man, I just heard that, or some young adult, I just heard that title. I'm curious what it is. I might want to do the same thing. Gotcha. Um, I think the easiest way to think about it is that the center is responsible for the holistic development of student athletes. So we provide academic support, and that can range in terms of tutoring, uh, a study environment that is conducive to learning, uh, technology access, having computers available, um, in addition to looking at some of the life skill programming that we do, uh, which consists of uh, some educational testing, screening, um, working with learning specialists, uh, and the other would be media training. So it's kind of all-encompassing. There are several other subtopics that would be within that that we've introduced our student-athletes to. Um, it can be anything from sexual responsibility to um, alcohol responsibility uh, to talking about the importance of peer mentoring uh, to financial literacy. So there are many things that we take in consideration when looking at developing and cultivating these young minds. And now you work with the student athletes at LSU, correct? Correct. And that covers all of all of um, I don't know how many sports do you have there? Uh, I believe our numbers noted is twenty-two, roughly uh, five hundred student athletes. Um, the numbers uh, are noted as such, but some of it is like men and women's track. Understood. Men and women's cross country. Understood. Understood. Uh, and indoor and outdoor scene as separate sports as well. So Ah, uh, you're taking me back to my running days, man. Well, that's right, you were a runner. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> running track and football, man. The um so now it's and you service all five hundred. Correct. Okay. Okay. Excellent. Now, where did you go to school and what did you study? 
uh, I went to Gonzaga College High School in Washington, D.C. And then I ended up going to the University of Virginia, where I was a student athlete. Uh, I was a Division I uh, football student athlete. Uh, my undergraduate degree is in studio art. Printmaking is my medium. Um, I also got a master's from uh, UVA also, and that is in uh, Cultural Foundations of Education. And I have a MS um, uh, from uh, Syracuse also uh, within the uh, Social Foundations. Actually, the language is a little twisted. It would be Social Foundations at UVA and Cultural Foundations at Syracuse. But essentially covering the same disciplines within the uh, educational field, which takes a look at the anthropological, sociological, philosophical uh, perspectives of higher education. And currently trying to wrap up this last piece of finishing my uh, doctorate. Um, so it's a work in progress. Lord knows it's a hard deal to balance when you're looking at family and um work and just life yeah 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 for some reason just your your aura makes me want to call you dr mouse so i'm gonna do it well i appreciate that <laughs> i'd like the reminders though because I, I swear <laughs> i tell everybody not yet but i appreciate the reminder yes sir i have a couple of friends who've just gone gone through that process one who just finished up and uh and one who's still in it so i i i've, I've seen the the hustle and um at least one of them has a family so I, I I know it's real, man. I know it's real. Now, are you doing what you thought you'd be doing after college? Uh, you know, it's kind of a yes and no answer. And here's what I mean by that. Not necessarily in this particular position. What I knew I liked to do and what I love was teaching. And so often the question comes to me, you know, are you a teacher? And I said, yeah, I am. Of life, and that's how I end up presenting this. I look at what I do as a cross between academic affairs on the campus, student affairs, and athletics, and that trilogy uh, helps me think about ways to put our student athletes in the best position to be successful by creating partnerships and allies across campus, by maximizing on the resources that are available here. Um, so. Those are little seeds that I ended up planting. But I was a teacher back at my high school at Gonzaga um, when I approached the current athletic director at the University of Virginia. And he had stipulated that there was a position that he wanted me to take a look at. And he followed up and literally what that translated into was me becoming the academic and the first life skill coordinator at the University of Virginia. Wow. The focus was on community engagement, um, volunteerism, um, career development, and academic support for student-athletes. I didn't know that. Wow. Yeah. Where does, if if at all, studio art... First of all, what is studio art? As an actual drawing. Drawing, painting, woodcuts, lithographs, photography, uh, papermaking bookmaking, uh, sculpture, computer graphics. So kind of all-encompassing. Do you, do you still um, practice or, or your craft? 
Uh, no, it's interesting. I just had a conversation with an intern of mine uh, during the time when she's going to write her reflection. Uh, I noted that during that same time, I will actually go back to the sketchbook. So, uh, you know, it's a, it's a place of tranquility. It, it's a, a passion of mine. I think art teach folks many, many things that are well beyond what they may think. Teaches one how to be creative. And teaches one how to have thick skin, uh, meaning your piece has to be critiqued by uh, everyone in the classroom. And if you're not invoking um, the message that you want, you got to figure out how to create the piece to make it do what you want it to do. So, for example, if I create a piece and I want to make you happy, but the piece is making you sad, I got to figure out if it's color, if it's content, if it's brushstroke. Um, is it the colors that I'm using? Um, is it the shape of the canvas? Is it the size? And so willing to hear criticisms from others, you know, often becomes a, a point of contingency for some. But I take that to say, okay, then I got to figure out how to convey my message so that it's heard. I, hear, I hear a lot there, uh, you know, because I also hear kind of the transferable piece there is here, I hear is like responsibility certainly that's what I really hear when, when I hear you say that I hear something's not working and it's like oh, right, onus is on me it isn't like so much about outside forces like I can see someone really being able to take that and, and seeing alright what what's my part in this what's my part in this so thank you for that Sure. Thank you for allowing me to just translate that. I don't know if that's what you meant, but that's what I felt. <laughs> yeah, I think I think that's definitely a part of it. Um, you know, like I said, I think the other part to it, when looking at conflict resolution, you have the ability to look at things from multiple lenses hmm. and not necessarily find yourself caught in the middle. It just means it's different. And I think when you have the ability to do that, the conversations become much more rich Things become much more clear for folks. And I think there's a better understanding to the how and whys. Hmm. Now, what was your path from college to what you're currently doing now? Like if um, if we had to draw, if we had to sketch out a timeline, what would that look like? What would those vertical bars be? Okay. So are we going from secondary or post-secondary? Um Go, uh, going from UVA. All right. So looking at from post-secondary. So from the University of Virginia, I uh, went back to my high school to teach art basics, advanced art, and TV communications. I did that for a couple of years. Uh, and the story I alluded to earlier uh, with the current athletic director at UVA, uh, who was actually the first black AD at UVA as well, um, I went there, uh, and that would have been in 97. So I was at UVA from 95 to 97. Went, yes, UVA 95 to 97. Then I went to Syracuse and oversaw the academic support program for football. And I did that for, I think it's four and a half years. So uh, then I left and went on campus, and I was the assistant dean in the School of Information Studies. Did that for three and a half years. 
uh, for six months. I was the executive director of graduate admissions and diversity enrollment management. Then I got recruited back to athletics as the associate AD over student athlete support services. I was there for roughly a year and a half, got recruited by LSU, came down here as the executive director of the academic center. Uh, two years ago, I actually served in this capacity and the interim vice provost for equity, diversity, and community outreach. I did that for one year. That encompassed the Women's Center, African-American Cultural Center, the Office of Multicultural Affairs, ACASA, which is the Louisiana Collegiate uh, Programs. I'm going blank now. Uh, collegiate. I'm forgetting what the A stands for. See, that's a sign of age at this point. <laughs> uh, but essentially what it did is it looked at uh, the behaviors of substance abuse across collegiate communities within the state of Louisiana. Mm. Uh and as well as the community university partnerships, I think I indicated that in the actual office itself. So I did that for a year and then kind of came back and sat back in my one seat within the academic center for student athletes. Great. Tell me the story about how you discovered you were a teacher. So at the point when I was leaving the University of Virginia, um, I had already graduated. I was in graduate school my fifth year. Money ran out. So I didn't finish my degree, but I started to interview. I had interviews with retail, mortgage financing, residential banking. Uh, and it wasn't until that opportunity in the, I think it was called the People's Bank of Warrington, in Warrington, Virginia. And I'm meeting with the president of the bank. And what he said to me, you know, um, Kenneth, I appreciate your story. He said, I wish that you were the teacher of my sons. And I said, well, it's interesting you say that. I have an interview back at my high school in Washington, D.C. next weekend. And he wished me well. And what I took away from that was that my responses to his answers sounded very much like a teacher. Mm. As one who's willing to help, guide, support, advocate, cultivate, stimulate. And it was, I find it was just an easy, organic match. You know, it wasn't something that was forced. It was very, very easy for me. What advice would you give to someone who aspires to do what you do and is just starting their career? Uh, one, I would ask folks to contact people in the positions um, that they would like to be in. Let them know that they would like to pick their brains Ask them to be their mentor. Put the onus on yourself to follow up with your mentor. And let them know how you would like to grow professionally. I often share with folks, too, is to understand what the national organizations are. Mm. 
so that you can develop and cultivate a network of colleagues across the country and ensure that they actually have some membership to that organization and try to get them to attend either the regional or national conference. The other thing that I share with them, too, is the understanding that the experience could be much more valuable than any monetary um, stipends or, or monies that you can receive and let them know that you may be willing to volunteer some of your time. Now, it be great out of that conversation that one is saying, you know what, I'm willing to pay or I need tutors and still give you some exposure to the environment. But it's showing what your commitment level is. Mm-hmm. And, you know, this is a job, in all honesty, this is not a, you know, nine to five job by any means. You know, our facility closes at 930 uh, during the week. There's extended hours during exam weeks. Um, it opens early in the morning. Most people, I got folks here early at seven o'clock in the morning. Um, we got recruiting that takes place on the weekends. So which would be on Saturdays, sometimes Sundays. Uh, you have study hall that's on Sundays. And so I would say, uh, probably the best parable to uh, translate this profession and story is that it really does take a village to raise one. So that African proverb, sure enough, manifests itself within this profession. What do you wish you were told when you when you started your career? I, uh, you know, I wish I had uh, supervisors that could help me navigate the terrain. Um, You know, it's interesting. I had a uh, supervisor once tell me that he was going to be my mentor. And I said, sounds great. Didn't ask him to. I thought it was very kind of him and his willingness to help me grow. Uh, Unfortunately, it just landed with words. And so one of the things that I carefully do with the folks that work here is that I tell them I will help you grow in the way that you want to. But you must first meet the expectations of the job and understand that that becomes a priority first. I will help you navigate the terrain. I will help you avoid landmines. And I said, I do this because I feel like if I didn't do it, I would fail as your supervisor. I'm okay with my folks being recruited by others. I said, I got more of a problem if nobody wants who I have. (laughs) Wow, that's a good one. I've never heard that one before. So it's not a bad problem to have to have people wanting to recruit your folks. You know, I, I tell folks when they get hired, you're being hired because of the value that you bring to the table and don't be bashful. As much as I love myself, I don't need, you know, another 20 or 30 of Kenneth Miles is walking around here. It's okay to disagree. You know, and we can do all of that professionally. But understand, again, the reason why we do that is to be able to make sure that all levels, lands, and layers are covered. What is the unspoken wisdom you've discovered in your career field? You know, what has time taught you? 
that potentially no one could have a mentor, no one could have told you? What have you discovered? Hmm, that's an excellent question. I would say probably one of those things is that uh, you must focus your time and energy on the things you can control and not worry about the things that you cannot. I think the other thing, um, as it relates to teaching and cultivating and helping young minds, um, I think recognizing in this profession, you're not in it for the money. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I often tell young folks who are starting that you're always going to be overworked and underpaid, particularly when you divide the amount of time that you're investing into it as it relates to your salary. Mm. And so with that being stated, you know, it just serves as a reminder. Now, don't get me wrong. Uh, you know, I believe that our profession is quite deserving, as in any teacher uh, should be. Um, but again, when you look in that societal impact, uh, where the society's focus may be, where the energy and politics may surround itself, um, fortunately, unfortunately, you know, education sometimes is not necessarily at the top. And so you have a tendency of recognizing why there's a need, why you're in the position that you're in, recognizing that if you weren't there doing it, who would be? And so that's why I often note about this just being a more responsibility. It's what we're supposed to do. No one should ask someone else to help. They should be willing to do that particularly when they know that someone is just starting out. I don't want people who are just beginning to work to feel scrutinized for the questions they may ask. I said, I'm okay with questions. That tell me at least you're thinking about it. But I also remind them too, when their issues don't come to me for solutions, I like to see how you're vested in the process. If, if you had to recommend one book, for someone just starting their career, what would it be? Hmm. Man, that's a tough one because there's quite a few out there that I like, and these are just some old reads. But <laughs> and I, you know, I want to rephrase the question. That that's my standard question. Uh, what's coming to me right now is a question around: What are some of the books that's that have had the biggest impact on you in your career? Hmm. Probably the things that had the biggest impact on my career wasn't necessarily books per se, as much as it was the dialogue and the courses that I've taken. Keep going. Keep going. <laughs> Let's uh, go down that path. <laughs> all right. All right. So one of the things uh, I recall stating to one of my instructors She's a tenure track member at Syracuse. I said, you know what? The more I read, the more ignorant I feel. And she said, uh, you too. <laughs> and, I, you know, I, I was surprised because she was admitting and being vulnerable and showing her humanistic side as well. And, you know, it just made me realize that 
things that we're passionate and have conviction about, really there's nothing going to deter you from actually doing it. Um, but it doesn't mean that the politics associated with it is not frustrating. And so I will fast forward and give you an example, looking at the state of Louisiana. Uh, within our constitution, there's only two unprotected monies, health care and education. So it's not surprising to find those two variables essentially at the bottom. Mm-hmm. You know, education is ranked roughly around 48, including the District of Columbia. So when looking at those numbers, I think you recognize that you have people who may be in systems that may be debilitating, that may hinder their growth, that may lack resources. And so it becomes, you know, something of a mission to try to figure out how can you equalize this or how can you leverage the playing field. All of the programmatic efforts that are done here, quite frankly, are all based on research and understanding what it is uh, that we need to do to increase the retention rates and ultimately the graduation rates of our student athletes. Mm -hmm. So, and going back through the coursework, you know, there's a misnomer about um, the intellect of people of color, noting that they, you know, some would note there's some challenges on the learning. And you have a person like Del Pitt who would say, Lisa Del Pitt, who would say, "Um, that's not it. You ever heard a, you know, African-American sing a rap song. They have the ability to learn. It could revolve around the information that's being taught, how it's being taught, how it's being stated. The timing could also be a part of the equation. The person who's delivering the message could contribute to whether or not something is being retained or not. You know, it... It's no one particular thing or person, but it can be a multitude of things that can determine whether or not one would say, you know what, I'm going to do what it takes to get my degree so that I can increase my net worth, so I can change my family's history, so I can contribute uh, to the growth and development of my siblings, my parents, whomever. But it takes someone to be able to sit down and explain that to them, to understand what the opportunity is and get them to understand that they're in control of the decisions more than they think. And life isn't just about whatever happens, happens. I share with recruits and parents when they come here that I never tell student athletes, good luck against competition. I said, luck sounds like happen chance. I tell them to do well because they've been preparing for it, you know, for the week, for a couple weeks. Mm -hmm. And I said, there you have a much more defined outcome. There's an expectation that you will do well, that you will win, that you will give it your all. 
So it's all about, for me, changing the mindsets in a way that gets to give folks understanding their own investment in the process. Excellent. Is there, um, so last thing I usually like to ask is just, it gives you an opportunity to talk about what you're working on. Where can the people find you? Those type of things. Well, the place where most people do the majority of their research, Google. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah, folks are more than welcome to uh, reach out to me. Um, I can be found in the LSU website. Um, My email address is K-O-Miles-M-I-L-E-S at LSU.edu. Um, our website for the Academic Center for Student-Athletes is www.acsa.lsu.edu. Uh, phone number where I can be reached uh, to my assistant um, is 225-578-6518. Excellent. Well, I appreciate you dropping the wisdom with my people today, man. Anytime. Um, more than welcome. To, to pick my brain I, I'm more than welcome to share what I know um, because like I said it, it does take a village and I don't believe that the onus and responsibility falls on one person so Much appreciate it. thank you for the time today's show was sponsored by Meet Edgar quick question for you if you post a tweet about something you think is important and no one sees it did it have an impact? You're spending time writing, uploading, and scheduling updates, and they usually don't even get seen by most of your followers. Meet Edgar is the only scheduler that directly addresses that and stops your updates from going to waste by automatically saving and sharing them again and again over time. Because you're spending way less time on busy work, you can dedicate more of your time to creating dope content and actually interacting with your followers. They call it social media for a reason. Visit meetedgar.com to learn more and start your free 14-day trial today. Thank you, dear listener, for being with us. Did you find today's message valuable? Love the show? Subscribe at bit.ly forward slash NMRD support, all lowercase. You'll get podcast episodes, updates, and articles sent directly to your inbox. If you sign up right now, you'll get a free 10-part email series called The 10 Career Commandments. Now, Everything we create, everything we share is designed to empower young professionals of color like you. Go ahead and move forward. We got your back. Tired of going at this alone? Request access to our Facebook group by visiting bit.ly forward slash FB group underscore NMRD. NMRD stands for No More Reasonable Doubt. As always, Our goal is to take you from invisible to invincible. I'm your host, Mike Ambassador Bruni, and the dope beat you're about to hear to close out the show is by Papa Doc.